even if you are not ready for the day, it cannot always be night. What's up, everybody? Episode four of the Do Your Damn Job podcast. Thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Week of FDIC. Week of FDIC. I'm not going to be there this year. Totally bummed about it. I uh, really wish I could be there and celebrate with all the brothers and sisters that are going to be out in Indy. Uh, it just didn't. It just didn't work out this year. Just wasn't in the cards. Got a lot of things going on at work. I've been on the road a lot le- uh, recently, traveling around. So. Not really going to be in the position to travel for a week, but to everybody going out there, man, go with an open mind, enjoy the conference, get to know brothers and sisters from around this this nation. I mean, honestly, there's people from all over the world that go there. So get to know people, get out there, reignite the fire if it's dimmed a little bit in you. Make sure that you spread the passion and knowledge that you have and that you gain some as well. Bring it back to your department and be ready to rock. So episode four, you might see. I don't have a guest tonight. Why? Well, I'm going to take some advice from a listener. One of the listeners was like, hey, tell us about you. What's your story? What are you about? Right? I don't really have a whole lot. But I figured if one person said, hey, it might be worth talking about, then maybe I should talk about it. So it's not going to be an hour. It may not even be 30 minutes. Uh, It's probably going to be a lot shorter than than what most people think uh, because I don't have this big extravagant story, right? I'm just a normal guy. Um, so I got Maverick with me. If you haven't noticed, still got the goose Maverick, uh, read a comment last night. I was just kind of rolling through some old, some old Facebook posts and some old podcasts that I've done. And, uh, my boy, Devin Craig up there, he said, uh, he said the, the first goose to ever be on a podcast on a podcast. He said that during the scrap, I was on a weekly scrap number 94 chief quarterly more, and so uh, I thought, well, you know what? I, I haven't seen any other goose or geese or ducks or deers, boom, on a podcast. So, uh, you know, there it is right there. Maverick, he was named uh, by one of our viewers uh, in the words of Matt Wallace, uh, hashtag the goose. So, uh, man, let's just kind of dive into it. So, you know, if you've been to any of my classes or if you've heard me on any of the podcasts that I've been on, if you heard me on here, I mean, my story's kind of the same, right? I started young. I was very blessed to to volunteer for fire department here in my local hometown, Katy Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, and they allowed me to come into the fire department at 15. Um, one of the questions that I've gotten recently was, how did you get in to the fire department at 15? Right. Well, and, you know, t- then again, let's let's be honest. It's not like I got in. Right. It's not like I was fighting fire at 15 years old. So what happened is I'd actually gone up there at my FFA chapter and, uh, it was a little officer deal. We'd go up there, take some pictures and do a little bit of PR. And, um, one of the officers members, her dad was a district chief in, in the city of Houston. And so she was like, Hey, uh, I wonder what, is, what it takes to be a fireman. I said, well, I don't know. And so we asked one of the guys that was there, one of the firefighters that was there. And 
Uh, he told us, he said, Hey, you have to be 15 to join the junior volunteer fire department. Uh, and then at, you know, 17, 18 years old, you can get voted into the senior membership and then actually, you know, start making fires. But until then you'll be able to train, you'll be able to do anything and everything that we do in this fire department. You just won't be able to actually make interior attacks. So I was like, all right, cool. So grabbed an application, brought it home to my parents. Right. And it was a tough conversation. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, being a father myself, I can't imagine what it would be to have, you know, Luke come home and, and tell me at 15 years old that he wants to be a fireman or wants to join the fire department and not really understanding everything that comes with it. Right. I mean, uh, you're 15, you can tell your parents all you want, but they're going to want to dive into it. Right. So my dad reached out to a couple of guys that he knew, he found out more about it and luckily they signed the application. Uh, so basically what happened was, man, I, like you've heard before, I was a glorified water boy. So Every Thursday night, I got to go to the fire station. I got to help with training. Uh, I got to train. I got to uh, ride, you know, fifth or sixth on the on the engine or the truck. You know, if there was an open seat and, and go to these calls, I just couldn't really be that much of a helping hand other than just a, a um, you know, gopher on scene and uh, bring water, right, and just, just be the water boy. And so um, basically – as I was going through this training, I really started falling in love with the job and I really wanted to be more. And I kind of thought, you know, like, man, I've always wanted to be a teacher, right? I was going to be an ag teacher and, uh, but man, wouldn't it be cool to be a fireman? And, uh, we started training and there was a couple guys, right? Like, I know you all hear, hear me talk about pops a lot, but I had several guys, uh, that really dove into my life and really made a difference with me. And, you know, guys like Lane Boyd and Jerry Hack and Alan Williams and Rick Payne. And the list just keeps going on. Uh, Kevin Wilkinson, uh, Barry Wyman, Paul Kessler, Don Kessler. I mean, just, I could sit here and name guys and girls all day long. Right. And uh, they really dove into Jacob. You know, I don't want to say they, they dove into the fireman uh, Jacob that they dove into, you know, uh, just a, a regular rookie on the job. Like, I really think that with with a lot of those people, I had a friendship. I had a genuine uh, sense of respect for each other. I had a genuine family. I had a genuine friendship. And, and I always felt like they just poured a little bit more into me. Uh, it took me a while to realize and, and having a conversation with Pops that, to be honest, they really dove into me because they could tell that I had a passion for the job. They could tell that I had a certain amount of love for the job that um, – presented more than the average rookie and they wanted to make sure that I was successful. Not only that, right. Let's be honest. I was a first generation fireman. So everyone in my family, they're, they're mostly blue collar workers. So, you know, that falls right in line with me. Um, but we have AC repairmen that own their own company and very successful. We have farmers, we have ranchers, we have teachers, we have counselors, we have barbers and we have stylists and, I mean, the list just keeps going on, right? And so if you go to my hometown in Iota, Louisiana, like <laughs> my uncle at one point was the principal of the high school and of the elementary, whose daughter, my cousin, was the counselor and a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. My, my other two cousins own the salon in town. My uncle runs the AC business in town. And I mean, the list just keeps going on, right? We have very deep roots there in Iota, Louisiana. And I'm very proud to be from there. I'm very proud to be a Cajun. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm very proud to, to, to represent that here in the state of Texas. Uh, but you know, it, fireman was never a thing and helping people was, 
uh, volunteering for certain things, whether it be through the city, through the church, the school, whatever, uh, has always been real important to my family. Um, I had another uncle, man, that, you know, he refereed on the weekends and, and, and volunteered for different things for football games and church events. And, you know, that sense of, of community and that sense of volunteering and that sense of helping others uh, has always been in my family. It's always been in me. And so I guess that's kind of where, you know, that, that inner drive came from. Um, so, you know, they, those guys and girls, they poured into me and it got to a time where I was ready to go to Sam Houston state, you know, eat them up cats. And, uh, I was ready to go to Sam Houston. I was going to get my degree in act teaching four-year bachelor degree. I'd gotten all kinds of scholarships and, uh, I was ready to just go be a teacher. And basically what my plan was, was I'm going to go get my bachelor's. There's a, a three to four year wait list for fire school. I'm going to go get my bachelor's and then I'm going to go to fire school. Right. Because then I always have a degree to, to fall back on. And there was one guy at the fire department, Katie, uh, one of the first paid chiefs there, uh, Gary Tilton. And uh, Gary made a phone call for me over at Sci Fair and he got me into fire school. And when I say got me into fire school, I mean, I got about a five week notice of, Hey, fire school starts August. Man, I don't want to lie. I think it was the 26th. Uh, fire school starts this day. Uh, so you got to get your shots, whatever you're missing. You got to turn in all your records. You got to go get your uniforms and uh, you got to be in class by 0800. So I rushed around, uh, ended up not moving to Sam, started uh, rushing around, getting all the paperwork, getting everything signed that I needed to get signed, getting all my physicals, getting checked out. And then boom, I was in fire school. Uh, so fire school there, I was in class number two, uh, and it's a year long Academy. So I had just finished up EMT. That was part of my degree program that I was going for anyways. And, um, I had just finished my EMT, I was certified as an EMT and was entering fire schools. So, uh, once I finished fire school in May, uh, I was able to test and, uh, uh, and get jobs. Well, <clears throat> as it, went down. There just wasn't a whole lot of people testing. You know, Houston was testing at the time. I tested for Houston, got through everything. They went on hiring freeze, never got a phone call. Uh, but there just wasn't a lot of test. And due to that, the numbers of people testing were through the roof. And so for instance, uh, testing for Austin or San Antonio, you might have a thousand people show up to take that test for, you know, 50 spots. Uh, just to get into a class doesn't mean you guarantee the job, right? Because you got to get past their cadet Academy. Uh, Houston might have two, 3000 people testing for a hundred spots. Um, you know, Houston had two different options. You could go through long track, which is basically go through fire school again. Uh, or you could go through the, the fast track, which I believe back then was an eight week program. And, uh, within eight weeks, you'd hit the station and, and be running calls. Uh, so, you know, there's a couple different options, but there just wasn't a lot of fire departments. There wasn't a lot of jobs. And when people were hiring, people knew about it and, uh, and everybody showed up. So, you know, throughout the years, I worked a lot of part-time jobs. I worked full-time jobs. Uh, you know, I was full-time on the ambulance for a little bit with Sci Fair, Uh, and then I transitioned over to the duty crew and started riding the fire truck over there. Uh, then I worked uh, duty crew for Katy fire department. I worked for Willowfort fire department for a little bit. Uh, worked for West I-10, which is now ESD 48, uh, and just kind of bounced around. Um, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but at one point I was working for all four fire departments and a hospital, uh, just waiting for my shot. Right. And, uh, pulling shifts everywhere, doing what I could, 
um, going through paramedic school. I actually went through paramedic school and, and ended up dropping out uh, in 2007 when I got hired by Pearland. And a funny story there, right? So everybody loves the needle fairy, right? And I, I say all the paramedics are needle fairies, they're awesome. Uh, I wish that I wouldn't have dropped out sometimes just because of that base knowledge that they have uh, that I wish I had. And uh, of course, you know, everybody likes a little extra pay on their paycheck, right? So um, anyway, so uh, I went through paramedic school and basically what it was, what the decision was in Pearland was there wasn't going to be a merger. This is what we were told. And, uh, if we wanted to succeed in our career as a firefighter, we really needed to focus on getting our next steps. We needed to focus on making sure that we had our, our, uh, our A and B courses that we needed to, uh, to get to intermediate firefighter, advanced firefighter and start getting those officer and instructor certifications so we could promote. So that's what I did and, uh, got my certifications and three years later, uh, in 2011, so the very end of 2011, my number came up on lieutenant's list and I was able to promote to lieutenant and, uh, you know, the, the rest is history. Right. So, um, my career was kind of all over the place and it's really helped me become who I am today. Uh, but it didn't come without failures and it didn't come without a lot of slapping your face moments. And it didn't come with a lot of, um, without a, uh, a lot of gotchas. <laughs> it didn't come without a lot of tears. It, it didn't come without a lot of happy times and a lot of celebrations. Uh, and it didn't, and it didn't come without a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, the one thing that did come out of it was a bunch of brothers and sisters for life and brothers and sisters that may not work in Pearland anymore, but I can pick up the phone and, and I can call them today. And I know they would be there and same for me, for them. Um, Pearland started, we were only 18 firemen. That was it. There was nine people per shift. We ran two shifts. So we were on 12 hour shifts. So we would work 6A to 6P and then the volunteers would come in and staff the night. And uh, we did that for three years. Uh, so every day I was driving hundred miles every day, round trip, right there and back. And uh, we were busy, man. It was great. Uh, we staffed one engine, one truck, uh, we were covering 70 square miles and about 82,000 citizens, uh, with just two units and we were getting it. It was awesome, right? You were either first or second in on every fire. Uh, you were seeing a lot of fire. You had to work a lot. Uh, two to three bottles was the normal. Uh, and man, it just really, really drove that sense of family that we still have today in Pearland. It drove that connection. It drove us close to each other. Uh, it really showed us that we can rely on each other, right? And, uh, and, and to be honest, and, and a lot of times in my life that has truly been there and pulled me out of some dark places. It's really helped me. It's, it's really saved me, um, going through certain trials and tribulations in my career and in my personal life, it was that connection. It was that family. It was those men and women that, that helped me, that saved me. Uh, so I'll always be grateful for that. Um, with that though, right. You become very cocky you become a little arrogant sometimes um you become to the place of you, know, you think it was hard let me tell you about two years ago uh you become to where you think you know uh that you're the best and uh and that everybody doesn't understand you but you understand everybody uh but you never put any effort into them right and uh and that's where my failure started 
And I, I know that most of y'all have heard the story and most of y'all have heard everything that, that uh, transpired as, as I was a lieutenant, but I want to dive into that a little bit tonight. I want to dive into why I felt that way, right? And the reason being is because for those out there who were trying to help me, I was ignoring them. You know, we had done a lot of great things and we had grown exponentially over those first few years. Uh, we had gotten to a place where a good piece of my heart said Pearland exists today because of the work that I've put in and because of the work that the other 17 men put in. Uh, Pearland is where it is today because of me, right? And I said me a lot, and I didn't say we. Pearland is where it is today because Jacob Johnson is here. And so that builds up in your head. It built up in mine, and it, it, it made me um, somebody that I didn't want to be but that I didn't think I was if that makes sense. So my passion and my love for the job was always there. So when somebody would tell me that, man, you're really being a jerk or you're really being arrogant or you're a little cocky, I'd always be like, well, I just love the job. And if you don't, sorry. Right. I was so blinded by my own confidence and by my own arrogance and by my own um, lack of understanding uh, that I was, I was blinded to the fact that I was actually ruining people. And I was ruining myself and I was ruining my reputation and I was quickly becoming somebody that I didn't think I was, uh, but somebody I didn't want to be. And, uh, whenever that rookie lost his job, that was, that was the wake up call I needed. Right. Because I think that if you're a good company officer, if you're someone that's worth their weight in salt, if you're worth talking about, if you're leaving the legacy that is worth remembering, if you're leaving the last name that is in people's mouths in a positive manner, um, it's because of the work and the effort that you put in, right? But it's the humbleness behind it. And if you're doing that, right, then you'll always be judging yourself off the success of others on your crew. And I did right until we got to this one person and i think what it was is we had a couple of rookies and they were knocking it out of the park and they were great and i had a solid driver and things were going good man we were making fires i was on an engine company that we like to call the island by myself i had 22 square miles of, of territory by myself and we had to get in and get after it and do our job or we were going to lose the whole scene um we had built like this wall, right? This silo that we always talk about in the fire service. We had built this silo that five station, five B shift station, five, a shift when I was on a shift, um, is the best and nobody can touch us. Right. And, um, what that did is I believed in it, but I believed in it so much that I thought that it was truth to where nobody was better than us. And when you didn't meet my expectations or when you didn't meet my standards, whether I had trained you or not, then you were no good. And, uh, and that's where it led down the, the wrong path for me. Right. Uh, so that's what it all came about. Whenever this individual lost his job, that's, that's where it all came out for me was, man, I, I really haven't done anything. And this kid failed because of me. So if I'm this great guy 
if I'm this rock star lieutenant, if I'm everything that I tell myself every day, but I don't tell others, right? Because I'm trying to stay humble. Um, then why, why did this kid not understand the job? Why do you not love the job? Why, why does he not have a job anymore? And uh, I started really thinking about it and I thought, okay, right. I need to make a change because obviously I did something wrong. Obviously there's something that I was putting down that he wasn't picking up and I've got to figure it out. And so the one thing I did is I went to my driver and I said, Hey, what's the deal? You know, what do you think? And thank God for good chauffeurs. And I'm telling you officers now that if you have a good chauffeur, hold on to them because him or her, they are going to be the sounding board that you need in your most desperate times. And that's, I've, I've been very, very fortunate throughout my entire company officer career that I had outstanding drivers, outstanding drivers and guys that I think understood so much of me and my own struggles sometimes that they weren't afraid to tell me you need to, you need to clean up your act or they weren't afraid to tell me like, Hey, take it easy on yourself. Like you're doing a good job. Right. They were always very honest with me. And that's what, in this case, this driver told me, he said, well, I'll be honest with you. Like you've been kind of a jerk and you, you are treating this kid a little bit different than you did the others. And, uh, your expectations for him are, are a little bit more than you had for the other rookies, but I don't see the effort in you that you put into the others. And that's what made me click. That was the, that was the, the light bulb moment that I had to have, right. Was you're not putting the effort into this kid that you did into the others. Right. So when it all boiled down, when we went tit for tat, when we went line by line, the expectations that I had were the same that I had for all of them. The standards that I had set and the, the, the confidence that I wanted were all the same for all the rookies. But the major difference, the key factor, right? You'll always hear me say that company officers are the golden ticket of the fire service. They are the golden ticket. The key factor was the fact that I was not putting in the effort that I'd had with others, and therefore he failed. You want to talk about a moment like you want to talk about something that sets you back in your seat, makes you second guess almost everything, makes you wonder if you're truly cut out for the job, makes you wonder if you should demote, makes you wonder if you even deserve to be an officer, makes you wonder if you even deserve to call yourself a fireman. I mean, the list goes on, right? The, the mental game of that moment is way stronger and more powerful than I think a lot of people understand. So with a lot of conversations, with a lot of phone calls, with a lot of just self-realization, with a lot of going back to my roots and, you know, why I was there, what had happened, what, what was it that had pushed me all these years to be where I am? That's when I realized like, I always had people putting effort into me. I always had people putting their best foot forward for me. I had Pops, and I had Lane, and I had Paul, and I had Don, I had Alan, I had Rick, and I mean, the list just keeps going on, right? And all of those guys, Jerry Hack, right? My neighbors, my parents, or his kids' godparents, right? Like, all of them had put so much effort into me that that's why I am who I am. That's why I was successful. 
Sure, I had to do things on my own. Sure, I had to put in the effort myself to be good and I had to study and I had to continue to fall in love with the job and learn it more and more. But at the end of the day, it was consistent effort put in by others that made me successful. And so that's when I developed the process, right? That's when I came up with like, why was I successful? Because I had people who loved me. I had people that asked me how I learned. I had people that made me proud to be a Katie fireman that made me proud to be a Cy Fair fireman, made me proud to be a firefighter in general. Right. I had guys that just flat out did their damn job. Right. Hence the do your damn job podcast. Hence the do your damn job challenge coin and the do your damn job statement that I always set there. Right. And I had guys that asked about my life that got invested in me that wanted to know what made Jacob. Why am I who I am? Right. And so then I just started writing all this down and I wrote down these notes and I wrote down little, you know, bits on each rookie I had after that. And, and I said, okay, well, this is the process that I'm going to follow. And, and originally it wasn't like, I'm going to be so stringent. Right. And I, I have to follow this policy step by step by step by step. Right. That was never the case. It was just kind of more of a, um, like a regrouping moment. Like if I feel like I'm going off path, let me come back to these notes and let me read this again. If I feel like, like I'm, I'm losing something or I'm missing something, let me come back to these notes and let me just kind of think about what happened with me. And that's all it ever came. And that's all I ever thought it would be. I'm sorry. And, uh, so then I, I started doing it more and then it became just kind of, okay, here's, here's the crew and uh, tell the crew, this is what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. And just kind of on and on and on to where the crew started believing in it and the crew would do it. And I noticed that a lot of the little tiny things that I would do with the rookies that now the crew were doing with the rookies, right. Or the little things that I would try to rearrange my day to make sure that I could be there. I'd have one of the crew members come and say, Hey, I know you're busy today. We got you. We're going to do this, this, this with the rookie. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And it never really clicked right at first. Right. Like it didn't just, Oh, wow. They're, they're following the process. They're, they're, they're invested in it. Right. And we had talked about it. You know, we had talked about what it's going to take to make rookies successful. And we had some fantastic ideas, you know, because we had rookies of all ages. I mean, you know, at one point we had a rookie that that was a retired battalion chief. And uh, he wanted to come back to the job and do some more. So here he was, boom, right, rookie. And he was on the crew. Well, what, what's the best way to teach him the parallel way? Well, my chauffeur came up with it. He was like, hey, why don't we have him teach the rookie, right? And then we'll verify everything. And then we can check off both their books at the same time. Like, boom, bingo, right? So what was he doing, right? He was following the process. He was, at, he was figuring out how they learned, figuring out how to invest in them, making him teach her. I mean, and the, I mean, it just got involved in their lives. And, I mean, we just became the tightest family that I think I've ever experienced on a crew. And uh, through all that, we were able to be very successful. And so then, you know, as time goes on and as I'm seeing everything play out, I say, okay, well, this is, this is actually like a process. Like this is actually something that I think uh, could help others. And how can I help others? What can I do? Right. How can I get this information out to the general public of the fire world and hopefully help somebody? And that's when I wrote an article. Right. So I wrote this article and I'll tell you why I wrote this article. I was sitting in Texas Fire Chiefs uh, Academy. Right. 
through uh, 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 Texas Fire Chiefs Association. Oh, I'm sorry, I went a little blank there. I was sitting in their academy up in uh, Garland, and I had the fire chief in New Braunfels in the class at the time, and he had been the fire chief like, I don't know, 20-something days. And we were talking about this in general, rookies. We were talking about mentoring. We were talking about teaching and training and and everything in between. And, you know, I'm pretty quiet when I stay in when – I, when I'm in a class, I really like to read the room. I like to take notes. I kind of introverted in some in some aspects when it comes to, to being in a classroom. Um, but I remember hearing, like, people trying to figure out why the generational differences are so grand these days and why these rookies are not being successful and what do we have to do, you know, to support them. And I just made a simple statement. Like I just raised my hand. I said, the rookies of today are failing because of us, because we're not putting in the effort. I got to get that off the button. I'm sorry. I'm starting to give me a headache. We're not putting in the effort that's needed to make the rookies successful. We're sitting on the couch. We're eating potato chips. We're pointing them to a direction to go learn something, but we're not teaching them. We're not pouring what we know into them. We're just expecting them to come with it. And that fire chief in New Braunfels turns around and he said, that is the greatest thing that I've ever heard when it comes to rookies. You need to teach that. And that was my moment. And I owe it to him, right? I owe it to him that I sat down that week and I developed a slideshow developed a PowerPoint, started writing an article that got published and it started, it started happening. Right. Well, let's go forward a year. Right. My article finally gets published. I've yet to be able to pick up anybody uh, to go teach. I, I don't have zero offers. Um, I'm still trying to get this information out there. Um, and one guy hit me up on Facebook, chief Howard Ryan Walt. The guy that gave me my start, right? Like I always tell him, thanks for choosing a fat guy from Pearland. And uh, he hit me up and he said, hey, that article's fantastic. If you have a class to go along with that, I'll put you to work. And I said, yes, sir, absolutely, I do. He goes, right, I need you in Brazoria, Texas in two weeks, two weekends. Well, I was on shift. And I don't know if I ever told Chief this story, but I was on shift. And uh, I said, okay, I'll do my best. Well, Ended up, I was like, I need a trade. I need something. So I ended up finding a trade. Thank God I was able to get off. I drove down to Brazoria, Texas, and I taught in a cafeteria and a little community center. And we had guys that drove from Mount Bellevue. We had guys that drove from Cypress, that drove from all over along the coast, from Freeport to Lake Jackson to Alvin, um, Santa Fe. I mean, you name it, they were there. And uh, I taught right there on a, on – in a cafeteria and I taught my class. I had my article out. Like I thought that it had to be this big extravagant thing, right? I had stickers and challenge coins and my article printed and handed all this stuff out and delivered my class. And everybody said it was great. They really appreciated it. Chief Reinwald announced that, that I would be, you know, hooked up with him and FD tactics. And, and if you needed to book me for a class that you could go through him and like the whole world just opened up at that moment. And uh, it's something that I'll always be grateful for. And uh, ever since then, due to Chief Ryan Walt and his generosity and, and, his, and his faith and trust in me, uh, I've been able to go around and teach this class and spread the message and have this podcast tonight where I can tell my stories and, and interview other people and, and, and get to know other people around this nation and around the American Fire Service and, and get to understand 
what it took for them to be successful. You know, all while hoping that I can pick up a few uh, uh, pointers here and there that I can write down and bring back to Pearland and try to help the, the men and women out there. And, uh, you know, that's where we are. That's where we stand today. And that's my story. You know, it's, like I said, it's nothing extravagant. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's, it's nothing really, <laughs> uh, worth, you know, a, a whole hour or even 30 minutes of a podcast, but it's what makes me, it's what makes Jacob. It's what started, you know, do your damn job. And, uh, you know, it doesn't come without hard times and it doesn't come without trials and tribulations. And it doesn't come without, you know, a lot of comments being made about you. But at the end of the day, you know, if you are passionate about the job and if you love the job and if you truly in your heart have good intentions and want to make the job better, just keep grinding, just keep working, right? Head down, work hard, grind and repeat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for me. Episode four. This is me. This is my story. Me and Maverick, we wish y'all a good night. We hope y'all have a wonderful week. If you're going to FDIC, have a blast. Love the job. Bring something back to your department. Don't miss an opportunity up in Indy to find a moment to make someone better, learn, or bring some knowledge back home. Enjoy the week. Be safe up there. Don't forget to stop by the expo. It's an amazing show. Enjoy all the brothers and sisters. Make sure you hit up the pipe and drums. Make sure you listen. Learn from the best. Have a great night.